It's that time. Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 17, week 17, volume 17, number fucking 17. Chocked show this week, jam-packed, lots of ground to cover, lots of things to go over. We've got all the Mosh news, we've got Mosh reviews, and I get the opportunity to have a great chat with the man himself, Andrew of Comeback Kid. He was also in Figure Four, and he's also got another band called Sights and Sounds. All of that is coming up in the show. First up is the Mosh News. Quite a bit has gone on this week. We've got a few things to talk about, a bit of ground to cover. One of the big exciting pieces of news is the Texan thrash crossover heavyweights power trip are finally coming to Australia for their first ever tour. The tour takes place in September. We'll be kicking things off at the Crowbar in Brisbane on Friday the 21st of September and we'll be wrapping things up in Melbourne at the Bendigo Hotel on Friday the 28th of September. The tour is presented by Resist Records and thank fuck Resist Records, no good music. Finally, we're getting these guys down here. You need to get along to one of these shows. The energy that these guys are renowned for putting on in a live setting is finally on our shores. And we need to turn out and show bands like Power Trip that there is something here for these bands to come and tour for. All of that information on the tour and the ticketing information can be found on our website and social medias. Another tour news this week was Enslaved, the Viking death metal, black metal kings are coming to the East Coast in August. They're just doing a couple of shows, they're only playing three, that's going to kick off in Sydney on Thursday the 30th of August and then wraps up in Melbourne on the 1st of September. Quick little drop off for Enslaved, bit surprised they're only playing three shows, Adelaide and Perth miss out, but anyone that's into that black death metal sound that Enslaved do, you need to get to this show. This show and this tour can't be missed. Tickets are on sale now, all of that information is on our website and social medias. A big local tour was also announced this week and it is the Dusk Till Day Tour, headlined by Polaris and also with Justice for the Damned. It's all going ahead in July, massive fucking tour. The Polaris Boys and Justice for the Damned are two of the hottest properties, I'd say, in the Australian market right now. Both of different styles and different genres, but both immensely talented with a big fucking future ahead of themselves. Great to see this tour going ahead. It is presented by Destroy All Lines and Resist Records, and it is a bit of a regional tour. It's going to be hitting places like Hobart, Geelong, Frankston, Canberra, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast. It's all going on, like I said, in July, kicking off on Thursday the 12th, wrapping things up on Saturday the 28th. Get a fucking ticket. This is going to be a sick show. Supports or local supports haven't been announced yet, but I'm sure they will in the coming weeks. But this is going to be a great tour. Really excited about this. I'm especially excited because I live on the Sunshine Coast and it's actually coming to the Sunshine Coast. So I'll be definitely getting down to that. Love to know if you're going to hit up one of these shows. Let us know which one. Tickets are on sale now. 
get it, get a fucking ticket. All the information for that tour is on our website and social medias. Other news this week was hardcore, metalcore, heavyweights of the Australian New Zealand scene, Antagonist AD has fucking come back. They've announced that they've signed to Grayscale Records and upon announcement they have released a new music video for a song called No Justice. And fuck yes, it is good to have these guys back. Definitely heavily underrated, I feel, on the Australian scene, but without a doubt one of the best that this country slash New Zealand has ever produced. Great to see them also joining grayscale records grayscale records is also the home of bands like alpha wolf and justice for the damned it's a record label i think that is slowly going to obtain a very good roster and adding antagonist ad is definitely a stellar fucking signing for the label and a great thing for the band that music video and all of the other information regarding that is on our website and social medias Speaking of record label signings, a big announcement this week for Fit for an Autopsy is they have joined Nuclear Blast Entertainment. They've announced that they have joined Nuclear Blast Records and are currently in the process of creating their next album. Really stoked for this band. These guys are fucking immensely talented. They write some of the best music going around in this extreme genre. And it's great to see them finally get the opportunity to step up to a massive label. It's Nuclear Blaster, without a doubt, one of the best labels in this heavy genre. So it's going to be a great team-up for these guys. And really excited to hear some new music soon. Hopefully it won't be too far away, because they are saying they are in the process of writing it. So maybe towards the end of the year we'll get some snippets. All the information regarding that is online and on the website. We also got this week a new music video and album announcement by hardcore punk extremist Vane. The album will be called Arizona. It is coming out June 22nd through Closed Casket Activities. They released a new music video, as I said. And these guys are one of these bands. It's so exciting. It's so fresh. It is hardcore music it is punk rock but then it's got this slipknot feel all over it it is fucking abusive and beautiful at the same time all of that information is on our website and social medias and we really really recommend you get into vain before they blow up because this band will be one of those next code oranges they will blow up with this album Other news this week was August Burns Red released a new music video for their song King of Sorrow. We also had a new music video from Five Finger Death Punch for their song Champagne. And while the video is entertaining, the song did nothing. It's a bit worrying. This album's about to come out and all the tastes or the samples we've heard of it don't sound anywhere special, to be honest. And the worrying thing is the band kind of churn out the same thing over and over and this one feels not even of quality of some of these past albums which we can criticize for being samey or boring or you know whatever you want to call them this song doesn't even feel like it obtains that level that album we'll be reviewing in the next few weeks so stay on top of things pay attention when we review it see it if you like it 
Other news this week was D. Snyder has announced that he has signed with Napalm Records and he's going to release his new solo album titled For the Love of Metal. This album's been kind of very much talked about and gossiped about. It's been produced and engineered by Jamie Jaster of Hatebreed fame. It features people from Lamb of God. It's got people from Toxic Holocaust. It's even got Howard Jones of Light the Torch and X Killswitch fame on it. All of that information regarding that album and statements about the signing to Napalm Records is on our website and social medias. Really intrigued with how this is going to sound. This, From what it appears to be, it's going to be really something different from D. Schneider. Sounds like he might be stepping out of that glam metal sound and going really into more of a metal sound. So really excited to get into that as more things come to light. Also this week, we've got a brand new song slash music video from Bleeding Through for their song Fade Into The Ash, which comes off their upcoming album Love Will Kill All. After this music video and their previous music video, if you're not fucking psyched for this, I'd be really surprised. Having already been blessed with having a bit of a listen to this album already, I can say that this is fucking immense. Really excited, really good video, really good song. That song, Fade Into The Ash, is probably one of my favourites off the upcoming album. All the information regarding that album, that music video, the previous music video, can be found on our website and social medias. That is it for the Mosh News this week. Of course, Stay up to date with all the latest news, latest gig news, latest album news, latest podcast news through our website, which is www.themoshzone.com. Also, don't forget to like and follow us on social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all with at The Mosh Zone. It's now time for Mosh Reviews. First up this week is the new album by Wolf King called Loyal to the Soil, out now on Prosthetic Records. Wolf King are simply put a blackened hardcore band, and that's a concept or a genre that surprisingly in 2018 isn't something new. But it is quite an exciting genre or creation that has come about. It is a mesh of styles of a lot of heavy music and there's a lot to offer to all likers and all lovers of different heavy music. Within the first few notes of this album, Loyal to the Soil, which is the debut full-length album for Wolf King, it's pretty clear that this is a big slab of violent noise and it is one of the most devastating, brilliant entries into a blackened hardcore genre that we've had for quite a while. Opening song, Hail the Ash, launches straight out of the gates. It's got lots of raw aggression. Sounds like it's just going to smash your face in at any moment. There's piercing vocals backed by a very thunderous orchestral feel which has razor-sharp riffing and massive intensity. The record as a whole constantly shifts and changes form and it feels like it's not all over the place but it is keeping you on your toes. You'll feel blasts of pace and then at the next minute it's crushingly slowly doomy all over you. 
The slower, doomy-feeling passages that I'm talking about add real depth to this album and what Wolf King can do. Quite often, those slow, doomy moments on some bands can maybe bore you or make you switch off. But the way Wolf King have thrown it in on this album, it mixes things up, keeps everything sounding fresh and keeps everything standing on its own two feet. Having that sludge sound along with that hardcore sound, it puts it on a very exciting level in this genre. One thing Wolf King do do is they don't just stick to one sound. Like I said, they mix things up. So they don't just stick to their hardcore roots and they don't just stick to their black metal roots. They have a way of being expansive in their ambition and expansive in their sound. Songs like Greater Power... I very much feel like it's come from the depths of hell. It feels absolutely satanic. And it goes slow at first, and then it just goes at a breakneck pace and acts like an absolute assault of the senses. When they do go into a very metallic territory, it does work, and it sounds very hellish, very demonic. Songs like Worthy of the Dead is very catchy and brooding and menacing and it feels like it's slowly peeling away the blackest of the black. The whole album on a whole feels like it's ready to explode. It's a time bomb and at any minute it's just going to go off. The other thing being black and hardcore, of course they don't forget the breakdowns. There is some big cataclysm feeling breakdowns that are shattering the earth at times and it makes you really enjoy them when they come along they're not overly used by wolf king they don't abuse the breakdown like many deathcore bands for example do this album by wolf king is definitely not a simple listen it's not an album that's just easy listening it's very abrasive it's very in your face and it definitely wants you to feel like you've been smashed around if you're looking to be introduced into something that's got feelings of hardcore and feelings of extreme death metal and black metal then this album by wolf king is the perfect place to start this album, in this black and hardcore style, many people will tip their hat at, at being one of the best of the year, and I, without a doubt, agree. I don't think anyone is going to come close to Wolf King on this album. This album should be very much in your discography of must-have listens, as I said, if you're a death metal fan, black metal fan, or hardcore fan. The album we are talking about is Loyal to the Soil. It is by Wolf King. It is out now on Prosthetic Records, and we do give it an 8 out of 10. Next album up for review is the new album by Homewrecker called Hell Is Here Now, out now on Good Fight Music. One thing about this third release by Homewrecker that's so impressive, aside from the massive riffing, is just how well this band mix and toe the line between metal, hardcore punk and thrash. They've got this unique way on this album to feel modern but also feel classic. The metallic hardcore style feels like it's been lifted from an era long gone, while also melding that classic death metal feel of bands like Obituary. 
Then there's the thrash aggression and the punk fun energy all going on. And one thing they definitely have done is created an album that is fun from start to finish. One thing Homewrecker do is they deliver intensity and full-on riffs and full-on breakdowns and massive pace and massive vibes but it feels fun. You enjoy yourself while you're listening to this album. Songs like Constant Eyes sounds like Slayer are covering a old school hardcore song. There's nasty guitar feelings, big breakdowns all over the fucking place. It is one of the best songs on this album. You've got songs like Fade Into Oblivion and Rope of Skin that offer up brief moments of respite with melody before coming back in with absolute vengeance and anger afterwards. This album is certainly memorable and has the ability to feel brute and beautiful at the same time. Homewrecker have channeled something really special on this album. If you like bands like Ringworm and Integrity, I think you'd really enjoy this album. This feels underground, but it feels relevant. It has this edge to it that not a lot of bands can possess. There is an unhinged ability and quality with the dual vocalist delivery as well. It only seems to lift the songs to a further level and creates a fiery nature and energy. One thing that definitely happens with Homewrecker is because they've put all of these genres and elements into their sound, they have actually stepped out of the rest of their peers. They've brought them together and it doesn't feel messy. Since they also have that feeling, like I said previously, of classic and modern, it feels throwbacky, but it doesn't feel cliche. The band have done immense here. The band stir up so much anxiety and blaring siren feeling guitar work. Songs like Buried Into Suffering. And then that comes into the start of a song called Land of the Damned. Have this way of triplet riffing, pounding drums and so much intensity. I cannot get over this album. It really surprised me and it came out of nowhere. The reason I even stumbled across this band was because they are touring with Black Dahlia Murder and I knew the name in a way but I wasn't quite sure how and then when I listened to this I was like fuck I'm not surprised Black Dahlia Murder are taking them out on tour. Definitely recommend this for anyone that likes any of these styles. Also need to mention that this band have done a really good thing of repping their influences but adding their flair Hell Is Here Now is a fresh take on the classics of death and thrash and hardcore. And they've had a lot of fucking fun by the sounds of things along the way. This is for fans of the old school. This is for fans of the new school. This is for fans of Integrity and Ringworm, like I said earlier. But it's also for fans of bands like Hatebreed, Obituary. This is for fans of all of those genres. This is also for fans of Municipal Waste and Toxic Holocaust. I don't think anyone will really be disappointed with this album. If they like anything really heavy, they will really enjoy this. The album we are talking about is Hell Is Here Now. It is by Homewrecker. It is out now on Good Fight Music. And we do give it an 8.5 out of 10. 
Next album up for review is the new album by Lick called Carnage, out now on Metal Blade Records. Lick is spelled L-I-K and they are a Swedish death metal band and this is their second album. The album's called Carnage and it's perfectly titled. It's 37 minutes of old school destruction and dirty, vicious brutality. This band features members of Witchery and Catatonia. The reason this album first grabbed my attention is for the artwork. The artwork is literally what you expect of a death metal album. It's skulls, it's gory, it's skeletons, it's beasts and it's brutal, and that artwork transcends perfectly into what you hear on this album. Lick offer the kind of death metal experience that speaks easy to the listener with familiar sounds, familiar styles, and a desire to be sinister and macabre throughout, naturally sounding unpolished and loose, as I said. It's authentic and endearing and very honestly in its brutality. It has a feeling like it literally is something that's been dragged out of a crypt and left to rot in the sun. It's got this old fret feeling. It is well written and very death metal. And it's very easy to like if you like death metal and very hard to dismiss if you like death metal. While it's also heavy and brutal, it's also firm in some melodic streaks. The songs on this album are catchy and memorable. This band, being Swedish, do know how to write melodic death metal. This album, Carnage, is very much a gory slab of music. Songs like Celebration of the Twisted... The title of that song is exactly what you're getting. It is blood-drenched riffs that have got this melody and seductive viciousness in the lyrics. There's other songs like Cannibalistic Infancy that is solely meant just to ruin your soul and make you feel fucking dirty as fuck. Then there's other songs like Only Death Is Left Alive, which is very well-crafted, demonic, blood-curdling horribleness. And all of these songs on this album are executed with so much precision, so much well-written deathness. It's impossible not to get dragged into all of this horribleness, this all this evil, all this macabre styles going on. And what Lick have done have perfectly written a death metal album. It is straightforward, but it does grab your attention. What Lick have done here, they have made a true death metal, deliciously death metal album. And it's a fantastic piece of blood and death to keep you entertained and full until your next serving. I really say if you like bands like Black Dahlia Murder, At The Gates, Obituary, Death... These kind of bands, if they are your ilk, you will like Lick. This album is well done in this genre. If you're not quite into death metal, I don't think you'll really get this. It'll probably feel like too much noise. And that's not an insult to this band. It's just if you're not into this style, you're probably not going to want to dive into it. 
I think if you're open to a bit of death metal, like if you do like bands like Black Dahlia Murder, I do recommend you maybe giving this a go. Look for it on YouTube, maybe listen to a single or two. They have the ability, like I've said earlier, that to add some melody, to add catchiness to it. But at the same time, they have that bloodbath feel going on as well. Really, really recommend this. It is very, very well done. And this album I am talking about is Carnage. It is by Lick. It is out now on Metal Blade Records. And I do give it a 7.5 out of 10. Next album up for review is the debut album by Bad Wolves called Disobey. Out now on 11.7 Music. Disobey as I said, is Bad Wolves' debut, and Bad Wolves are a band that I think everyone kind of knows about now. They are the band that performed the cover of the Cranberry song Zombie, which has turned into a global hit. It has got over 50 million views on YouTube, and it's been a massive success and chart-topping success on Spotify, iTunes, and all of these download streaming mediums. The band is definitely a supergroup of sorts, It's got ex-members of Divine Heresy, Devil Driver, God Forbid, Bury Your Dead, and In This Moment. There is a lot going on in that talent group and a lot of names from big players or ex-players in the game. One negative that I have to get out of the way first off is that Disobey comes in at around an hour's worth of music. And that is more than what we normally expect. An album of around 40-odd minutes, I'd say, is some quality. But this album feels like a bit too much. Now, you have to take into consideration that this band recently released two EPs called False Flags Volume 1 and 2. So it's those songs and then some singles thrown in there and it feels a bit too much. It overstays its welcome. And a negativity of having so much on this album is the band have also released too many songs online before this album was released. You pretty much know what you're getting already before you purchase it online, buy the CD, whatever way you listen to it, you've probably already heard two-thirds of the album. That, I've said in previous episodes of The Mosh Shown, I don't think is smart marketing by bands and labels nowadays. The element of surprise and the element of excitement of getting that album is now ruined if I've got two-thirds of the album online already accessible. Bear Wolves with this album are definitely messing around with a lot of ideas. There's a lot going on here and they're trying to really encapsulate everything on one album. Yes, the foundation is metalcore, and it's very much in that popular style of metalcore, heavy metal, hard rock. But they sprinkle a little bit of that progressive sound on top of it. When I say popular styles of metalcore, I'm very much tipping my hat to the five-finger death punch kind of bands. And when I say the progressive style, I'm tipping my hat very much to bands like Periphery. If you get that kind of concept, you know what you're kind of getting with Bad Wolves. The album lyrically has very broad concepts of today's society, personal struggles and everything in between. It's definitely a personal album, but we expect that as always from Tommy Vexed. He is renowned for being very personal and honest. We also, with that honesty, we have to be pretty frank about it and the lyrics are very simple in ways. 
Tommy Vext is able to put it on a massive scale with very impressive vocal abilities, but I feel like I've heard all of this before in the lyrics. All of these lyrics are very samey. I can I've heard all of this since the nineties and the early two thousands. There's nothing new here. It's all about striving to be your best fight against the world, don't let anyone oppress you. And they're kind of doing what Five Finger Death Punch do. It's that very typical cliche lyrics. But you can't take away from Tommy's vocal ability. He has massive strengths, not only in doing growls, but he also has a strength of cleans. A negative I have to say on this album is I feel like the cleans are abused too much. The cleans are there so much. It just feels like radio music. There's so much cleans, so much cleans. Oh, another clean. Oh, another clean. I got over it. I got over hearing cleans. Cleans didn't stand out because all I was hearing was fucking cleans. The struggle for me with this album is putting a tag on it as metalcore or popular music. And I really think this is a popular music album. That's what they're aiming for. This band don't want to be underground. They don't want to be unknown. And you can see that when they released Zombie. These guys want to be known. They want to play arenas. They want to be on the large scale of things. Another thing I've got to say is songs do become very repetitive. After several listens, you forget what song's what. And the only thing that breaks up this album is the ballad that's in there and the zombie cover that's in there. Everything else very much feels the same, not only in the formula that it's written, but in the formula it's delivered. Musically, they are very good. They do their job phenomenally. In some ways, they are probably a little bit above the curb of what you expect. There is the heavy riffs in the right spots. There is the gentleness and the ambience in the right spots. They definitely know what they're doing. The diversity of some songs is very well done. And when I mean diversities, I mean as in the Crush Your Skull breakdown with that genty progressive riff. They know how to give that little bit of diversity. I will be really interested to know if this album has replayability for fans. I will be very interested to see if this style that they're going for will be maintained on album two. Bad Wolves are definitely trying to go places with this album. They have a goal set and they're aiming to achieve it. Fans of their rendition of Zombie will probably be torn with what this album means to them. If you're a fan of bands like Five Finger Death Punch, Breaking Benjamin, Of Mice and Men, these kind of bands that are radio friendly, not overly heavy, but not overly light, that sit in that middle ground, you will like Bad Wolves. I don't think there's enough substance and originality in this band to last in the long term. When they eventually branch out of the cliche lyrics and the cliche formula, I think they really will obtain a real name for themselves. They need the tightening up. There is quality, but I feel like it was a miss. I went in expecting so much and I feel let down. At times, I literally just 
didn't want to listen anymore. And that's really disappointing because I do like all the guys that are in this band. But being honest like we are on the Mosh Zone, I don't think this album will appear again on my iPhone. I won't be putting it back on. I've listened to it three times. I know what it's all about and it's got no more play for me. As I said, if you are a fan of radio metal or radio rock, you will like it. I do say... If you are a fan of Zombie, maybe stick to that song. There's not much else on here you're really going to like. The album I am talking about is Disobey. It is by Bad Wolves. It is out now on 11.7 Music. And I do give it a 5 out of 10. Last album up for review this week is the new album by Seven Dust called All I See Is War. Out now on Rise Records. This album is number 12 for Seven Dust. And they're definitely a band that have been always underrated, I think, but always had a big fan base. They've been going around since 1994. And this record, they're trying to not only encapsulate their old sound, but they're trying to really bring in their fresh sound as well. All I see is war lyrically is about the hard times we are in, but also trying to maintain and underpin a sense of hope throughout. Opening track Dirty is pummely and weighty and offers that recalling feel to the much beloved Seven Dust sound that's in the forefront. And then underneath all of this, as on every Seven Dust album, vocalist Lijon is singing poetically with purpose and vigor the next song god bites his tongue has really blistering grooves to it and it's a very driven song with infectious gang chants going along and this song i feel is perfect opening moment this song i really feel should have been the opening track An interesting side note about this album, All I See Is War, was Seven Dust definitely wrote this in a different process. They took eight months out of their schedule to sit down and record this. They really took their time to try and bring the A-game to the finished product. And in some songs, it really shows. Songs like Not Original, a song that apparently almost didn't make the final cut. But it really is a highlight on this album. It really peaks on this album. It's got cinematic guitar work going on that lifts into this beautiful bluesy vocal performance. And it feels on another level. Then you've got songs like Not Original that explores new territory for the band. And somehow it pays off. Then there's the ruthless, gritty song Medicated. Which... It doesn't quite delve into the new ground. It does feel like it is very old school Seven Dust, but it still feels primitive. It is still calling everyone to the mosh pit for a sing-along and a beatdown. I feel like the reason I had to mention the writing process is because sometimes bands who don't spend so long on an album, I feel don't maybe overwork songs. Some of these songs feel a bit overworked and a bit overthought and a bit overlaboured. And because of that, I think some songs don't 
feel quite as well executed. Songs like Life Deceives You and Descended, while good songs, I really feel have been overthought and could have really punched and felt bigger if they were given less time. It would definitely be fair to say that whether or not it was meant to feel that way, All I See Is War comes across as a kind of a transitional record for the band. It feels like they're definitely starting a new era for Seven Dust, and part of being signed to Rise Records shows that it's a new era for Seven Dust. While there is those feelings of new, there is those feelings of old, and overall it is a quality album, but it is because of those letdowns with the writing process and the overthinking, I think the album just lacks that little bit to make it a great album. All I see is war offers something old, something new, something borrowed and something else. It's a powerful record, uh, but unfortunately it struggles in places, but it still excels in other places. Without a doubt, this is a Seven Dust album. And it's definitely one of their strongest over the last few years. There has been some very bad ones. Unfortunately, with Seven Dust, with every band that's gone through such a big career, there will be some low points. But I don't think this is a low point. I think this is an okay point. The other thing about Seven Dust, which they do that other bands don't do, is Seven Dust always feel genuine. None of this feels forced. They do mean well and they do want the best out of their music. None of this is forced and contrived. Like bands like Bad Wolves, where it all feels forced, Seven Dust, it feels real. This album is for fans of Seven Dust, is for fans of that classic Seven Dust sound. The album we are talking about is All I See Is War. It is by Seven Dust. It is out now on Rise Records, and we do give it a 6 out of 10. So that's it for Mosh Reviews done and dusted for this week. What did you think? Do you agree with our reviews? Do you disagree with our reviews? Let us know. Give us some feedback. Is there an album or an EP that we've missed that's recently come out? Let us know. Get in touch. Are you in a band and you've got an EP or an album on the way and you'd love it reviewed? get in touch. If you want to get in touch, there's several ways you can. You can get in touch through email, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. You can get in touch through the website, which is www.themoshzone.com. Or you can get in touch by commenting or sending us an inbox through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All of those are at themoshzone. Coming up next, I got the opportunity and massive fanboy chance to sit down with Andrew of Comeback Kid. He's also been in a band called Figure Four. He's also got another side project called Sights and Sounds. Great chance to get to know all about Andrew, all about his past, all about his passions. And that chat with Andrew is coming up now. Perfect. Let's do it. Okay, so I thought we'd start off with um, what age were you and what kind of band or artist brought you into the heaviest style of music like do you remember what brought you into the aggressive side of music you know i was lucky enough to have like an older brother who was who was into like punk rock and metal and stuff like that so i was you know i was the classic older brother kind of story where i was exposed to it at a young age um 
can't remember like what the bands would have been. I mean, you know, there are some like you know, you know, Fear Factory and shit like that. I mean, I never really connected to that too too much. Um, I mean, I still remember seeing the, the the Green Day Dookie video for the first time, and although that's not like super super heavy, um, that was a pretty prob- probably like one of my first exposures to like you know to really connecting to to punk rock, and that was the, my gateway to you know stuff like no effects and then that was my gateway you know propaganda no effects i think maybe the first punk record i bought was a propaganda i spy split cd um when i was like 13 years years old or something like that propaganda from uh, my hometown winnipeg where i used to where i grew up um and then uh from there um hardcore kind of came to me um uh, when i was about 15 and you know some of the victory records and um you know, victory record stuff like Earth Crisis, Strife, and, you know, Integrity, but also then at the same time, I was kind of learning about, you know, Chain of Strength and, um, you know, Youth Today and better than, you know, the, the rev stuff. So, you know, that, that kind of all kind of clicked for me. Um, all, you know, you know, the, the natural progression of like kind of just like whatever heavy to, you know, punk, then, then that, that led to the hardcore stuff. So I definitely kind of came from that skate punk background. And you started out playing, I know you started playing piano, but you also started playing guitar. Um, what was the reason for the guitar? What inspired you to pick up the guitar? Of all the instruments, why guitar? I mean, it's just, it's the one, I mean, that's the one, though, you know? Yeah. He doesn't want, like, guitar's the best fucking, it's the best instrument in the band. No, no offense to drummers and bass players. <laughs> no, I don't know. It was just natural. Uh, I, 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 I mean, yeah, it just, as soon as I was allowed to get one, I, would, I did it. And I remember, like, I did, I did lessons for maybe a year. I remember bringing a green, like that was right around the time. It was all very, very, you know, um, it was all very timing. You know, like I got into punk at the same time that I got the guitar. And I remember bringing a Green Day, you know, song to uh, my guitar teacher. You know, yo, this sounds like the Spin Doctors. I was like, oh no, man, Green Day. And, yeah, and that was the same time the Spin Doctors had just you know put up two princes or something like that, and um, yeah, just it all it all kind of came together, and I was able to you know learn guitar for a year and then just kind of do my own thing from there, and uh, just fell in love with the whole thing, man, and never looking back, and trying to just play this you know play this music until I die, until I, die I guess. <laughs> so, so what made you uh, then? transition to a vocalist because the first band you were in um was figure four around 96 you guys formed what made you then transition to being the guy center stage uh well figure four i kind of they were already a a, a local band in town and i um kind of came in like partway through they needed a singer and so i already had like a few other bands around town that I was doing so I just kind of like oh I can like try to sing um, because they already had their shit going on like I joined that band um, and then like throughout you know when we started touring that kind of changed you know like all the members that like you know they kind of like had their thing going but then I joined and then it kind of became a, a different kind of band and we started doing shit and touring and that was my first like start out of that singing with figure four and then I started come back here because I wanted to play guitar in a band i fucking i was getting like a sort like i hated screaming like didn't love it i mean i didn't hate it but it was like definitely like a little trying on me especially like the figure four style shit was so heavy you know 
Um, and uh, I just wanted to play guitar in a band and, you know, uh, do something a little different, a little bit more, you know, where we could be a little bit more melodic um, and just kind of take a, a few more chances uh, musically, but still playing hardcore music. So um, we did Comeback Kid, but I mean, you know, actually after our Comeback Kid's second Australian tour, um, our singer Scott, like right before we came to Australia, actually, and there was Scott Pullman side, our old singer, he's like, yo, I'm going to quit, to quit the band. This is in like 2006. And I was like, oh shit, like, I don't know what we're going to do, but we like went to Australia. I didn't tell anyone that he quit, but I knew, you know, and that we, we knew that that was going to be, you know, his second to last tour. And he like kind of, he, he took off like five days after we, you know, got home from Australia and we were doing, doing States stuff. So, Fuck. Now, you know, we were just in the middle of a, we were just in the we were in the middle of a tour and so I just started we just got another a film guitar player and I just sang and I like you know and then co- doing comeback kid style singing wasn't so you know I'm like I could do some like shouty kind of shit and like that kind of that's that's oh that kind of ended up working for my voice quite well and then I was able to kind of you know I you know at first kind of like you know biting Scott style and just trying to do the comeback kid thing but. Over the years, you know, like here we are in 2018. It's been, you know, 12 years since that. Like, I've been able to kind of like, you know, mold that into my thing. You know, what I mean, it's just been a natural progression. So, so you've never, you've never really taken lessons. Then you've just kind of taught yourself along the way how to tone your voice and scream. Basically, is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, I think the first time, like, learning how to, like, actually, it's so, so silly, like, thinking about, like, learning how to scream or whatever, but I mean, as a child, as a kid, I would just, like, we, you know, when I, my friends first got their driver's license at 16, I would just, like, heckle people, like, from the car or something <laughs> like that. It's, like, like just a, such a geek, or, you know, like, 16 years old, like, screaming at people, but, like, where else am I going to have an opportunity to, like, belt it out that loud unless you're being a brat somewhere you're not going to just like sit in the room and do it you know so <laughs> now um just quickly touching on figure four at the time did it feel like you guys were creating a name for yourselves because it seems like since the the last album you guys did suffering the loss suddenly everyone kind of mentions figure four was it was there any did you feel like there was any deal about the band at the time or do you feel like it's only now that everyone's like hey figure four are we going to see a reunion what people fucking are people talking about figure four now you think yeah fucking lots of people are peeping really? on yeah yeah constantly hear people going <laughs> oh, oh figure four it's that it's that 90s early 2000s revival shit going on maybe maybe we got to strike while the iron's hot um <laughs> no i don't know we'll I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure we'll do a final show, but you know, it's such a mission getting everyone lives like in different cities and different countries, and it's such a thing, deal to get everyone back together and like you know. <laughs> uh, but um, but oh, shit. What was it? What, 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 oh yeah, this, this is what happened with Figure Four. I mean, we were just cursed with a couple really bad recordings. We have a couple, you know. So actually, Scott, our the old singer, come back here, sent me a text the other day with uh, the second record when it's all said and done. A figure four is like, yo, this song, like this song, a banger. Like too bad the recording's so bad, you know. Like cause we did have some pretty bad recordings, and then I felt like suffering the loss, like was our one chance to have have an actual proper recording and a really proper representation of our song. And I think we really found our groove, and we were doing like pretty heavy, thrashy 
you know, I was, we were listening to a lot of, you know, Exodus and Possessed and shit like that, but also like, you know, Marauder and, you know, uh, Apri and stuff like that. So, you know, we're bringing our, bringing a lot of thrash elements to the heavy, heavy hardcore and, you know, fucking fast as, you know, down picking as fast as possible, you know, double, you know, so that, that record, I think that, that stands alone as like the one. I think, because I think there's songs, um, records previous to that. Um, and that's what we always toured on back in the day, you know, but, um, the recordings were never there. So Suffering the Loss is like the only proper recorded, come, uh, figure four record, I think. It is, and it's probably, it's the one that stands out probably because of that production value of it. So that's definitely now yeah. come back. We, we wish we could like re-record some of the old, old shit, but that'll never happen. Well, I mean, is 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 it kind of the thing that um, you kind of you never said the band broke up? You just you've been on a hiatus since what two thousand and four, like, pretty much. We never said anything. We never said anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's just yeah. it's still we never active. Said anything. <laughs> we just we just we just we just started doing comeback kid. Now, yeah. when you um initially started off comeback kid, as you were saying, you were playing guitar. And Scotty left um, just after Wake the Dead. That that album, Wake the Dead, that single, the the title track, that felt like it really launched you guys from a fan base. It felt like it launched you guys to becoming a name. Um, suddenly, everyone that was into right. punk rock and hardcore knew who Comeback Kid were. Did you guys feel like okay, this is this is the shit we're going somewhere now? Yeah, yeah, it all kind of like snowballed from there. I mean, the comeback kids thing always kind of really, really kind of popped off right away, to be honest with you. I mean, I've been slugging it out with figure four for years. Um, and then, you know, comeback kid on our first tour, like, or second tour was like almost like was surpassing figure four, like right away. So it was a very quick thing for comeback kid. And then when we did Wake the Dead, and that was, I mean, we, I remember playing Wake the Dead for our very first time in Australia in um, a youth center in like Melbourne, I think. Yeah, I was there. Um, like, it, yeah, I think it was a floor show as yeah. well. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, I, I remember like pictures from that show, like I'm taking pictures on the steps and I remember friends that I have in Australia that, like from that specific day. Uh, so that would have been like 2005 or six, but like even, I, the song, I must've been online or something. I don't know if it was, the record was out yet, but like the first time we played it and it went off, we're like, okay. Yeah. And I mean, for better or for worse, man, like that song is like really helped out our band and like kind of gave, gave us, you know, some legs that we wouldn't have had, I guess. Now, as you said, um, Scott left and um, someone like myself, I know all the ins and outs of that, but if you don't mind just talking a bit about that, when he left um, and then you transitioned from guitar to vocals, why... Why did you go from inside the band? Why didn't you look outside the band? Or was it just never an option? It was always going to be someone like yourself. I think we could have like maybe tried to step out uh, of it. But at the same the, the reality was, like I wrote a lot of the lyrics with Scott. I knew how it went. And it would just be less of a weird look just to get me just to kind of take, take it on. And then, you know... Uh, instead of getting a whole other guy, like, you know, I don't know. I don't even know how that would, who knows, like, who who would that ever be? Like, I don't know. I think, I don't think there was really much of a, like a, like a hee-haw about it. We kind of just knew that that's how it was going to be. 
it's destiny, man. You know, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> so. And then the next two albums were um, broadcasting, and then symptoms and cures. Um, at that time, you guys really—I mean, I feel like you started finding what would now be called the Comeback Kids sound. Um, it started getting a bit more metallic sounding in parts, a bit more melodic in parts. How did it feel for you, those two albums? Because suddenly you're the vocalist. Suddenly you guys are pushing forward more. These albums, I think, gained more attention. There was more pressure. How did it feel at the time in the band around, what was that, 2010, 2007? Yeah, like seven. Like 2007 was broadcasting. Yeah. Broadcasting is my, like, I I look back at that record not with the most fond, um, not not with my fond memories, but with, I don't have the most the, the best view of uh, broadcasting. I think that that was a bit of a weird record looking back on it now. Um, we were kind of, that was, you know, a little bit of our, like, proggy, kind of like, like, midlife crisis or something, I think, <laughs> you know, some songs are a little bit longer. Uh, I don't know. I just listened back. I listened back to it, like, I think the last time I listened to it was, like, last year, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, what am I thinking? What were we thinking with these changes? And I think after that, we kind of started getting, I really started focusing on, like, simplifying parts even though i like naturally like to like go off on tangents but like try to like make a little bit more obvious song structures and that that's gotten more and more with every record but like really just trying to be more obvious with parts and uh especially symptoms and cures you know we've always been a band that's like punk rock influenced we're a hardcore band but very punk rock influenced but like by the time symptoms and cures came around you know we were straight up like touring Europe a bunch, doing festivals and shit. And like, I really got my head in that. Like, I want to do, I want to play like, you know, festival punk hardcore. You know what I mean? I want to have, like, I love, I'm, I'm like always gonna, I'm always about like the, you know, group, group vocals and just big, 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 big as vocally and lots of layers and, um, and just using, you know, just different like kind of layers and with the, with the elements and, and that's kind of what it's always been about. So very like anthemic kind of stuff, you know, that, and that's always like, that's definitely a theme in my songwriting with like every kind of thing that I do these days, you know, whether it's sight and sounds or come back yet, or just even like any other kind of songwriting. I'm always, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm I, I definitely like to like pack it up, you know? And then, I mean, the, the sound, I feel personally, my favorite two albums, uh, Die Knowing, and then the most recent one from last year, Outsider. Um, the sound just went large. I mean, suddenly you guys, um, you've still got your punk rock roots, like you said, but it feels like you guys have pushed forward uh, the chunky sound, the big riff sound. Um, the breakdowns feel massive, and the sing-alongs feel massive. Yeah. Um, those two albums, yeah. there was a bit of a break in between them. There was quite a bit of time. Did you guys intentionally take more time on those albums? We definitely took a while. We always take a while, but there was no doubt downtime. That's the thing. We really just like did it. Like we were just we we, we were actually pretty busy through it the whole time. Actually, no, no, no. Let me correct myself. Jeremy, our guitar player, and he's like the other original member with me. He had a baby in that time. So we took six months off. 
so that was a good six months to actually like we were all, we weren't like hanging out with each other, but we were in different cities. But we were definitely I was doing a lot of my writing during that time, and it was my first time having like six months off tour in like over ten years. So did that, but like most of that time we kept on kept busy, still touring and stuff. And uh, we usually take about three 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 or three and a half years in between records. You know, I don't think that we we're never, we're never the kind of band that like does a record all the time, but not easy to get to Australia so you know you don't know where where, where we could be maybe we're in like uh, Indonesia or like Brazil yeah. or something and you don't know <laughs> <laughs> and outside of last year's album was the first time um, in a long time that you've switched labels um, you've been in Comeback Kid you've been on Face Down and Victory why the why the sudden switch to Nuclear Bass? Was it time for a change of uh, labels? Was it a new chance to push you guys? Yeah, we just we, we were out of contract in Victory, and we just kind of wanted to try something different. Nuclear Blast was on the table. We we tour Europe a lot, and uh, that's kind of why we did it. You know, like they kind of have a really strong, um, you know, a strong kind of like clout over Europe and uh, and just worldwide. Actually, you know, they've, they've been the they you know, a label to some of the greatest metal bands, Slayer, Motorhead, Rock, you know, what I mean. But then they also have, you know, Agnostic Front, they have Madball, now they have Terror. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, you know, a diverse label and, and like super efficient, you know. And we had a couple other labels on the table that we could have tried out, but, you know, it's always, it's always the roll of the dice, you know. And that, and how did that spot with Devin Townsend come about? Did he approach you guys or. Did you approach him? Because that, that is one of the most unique songs on that album, without a doubt. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, uh, Devin produced um, my other band, Cycling Sounds, back in, like, 2009, I think. Is that on Monolith? That, um, it, Monolith of Cycling Sounds, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then, so I know him through that, and he actually produced some Misery Signals records, and Stuart Guitar Players from Misery Signals. So we we know him, and then we just had this one part, and I was kind of like ripping him off anyway, like doing like a Devin, like kind of layered vocal thing. And uh, our guitar player, Jeremy, was like, why don't you ask like Devin if he wants to do it, do the feature? And yeah, 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 cool, I'll send it to him. So I just texted him and said, hey, do you, you know, do you want to, we have this song? He said, yeah, send it over. So he wants to check the song out first. I sent it to him, sent him the like, lyrics and stuff, and he said, okay, cool, I like this. So he just did it at home and just sent it to me. Even though we wanted him to come down to the studio, I think he was in Vancouver or he was in Asia or something. I don't know. I just kind of picture him just, you know, in a little studio, dark studio, doing it by himself and sending it over, you know? <laughs> it's amazing. That that song is just, yeah, it stand, and the whole album is amazing, but that song really stands out because it's so unexpected, I think. Just come back, kid, with Devin. It's very unexpected and it works perfectly. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I definitely like that. I, I love, I love having like, and I, I did hardcore feature, but this last record, we're just kind of like, we're just doing different kind of thing, just doing, doing different stuff, you know, having a, you know, a metal, like a metal guy like Devin, do something crazy, and then having uh, our friend Chris from Flatliners, you know, do something a little bit more, you know, a little punk rock kind of diddly, you know. So we just like to mix it up. It's sick, um, and we can't wait to hear that in Australia in a live setting because last time you guys were down here was on the back of um, Die Knowing. But before I let you go, there's a few other things I just want to touch base with you, and one thing was sights and sounds. Um, yeah. Why 
why the why did you start that band? Because not that why shouldn't you? Um, but what came about starting Sights and Sounds? Was it a new creative outlet? Was it just to have fun? Yeah, just the desire to sing and like play different kinds of music. You know, like I can't just do hardcore all the time, heavy music. I, I so just a just a just an outlet to get ideas out and stuff. And actually, like yeah, we're doing a new record with Sights and Sounds right now. I've, just been recording all week so yes i um, thought i'd seen that on yeah, on your instagram so yeah 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 i'm constantly like we're just working on that it's feeling like it's, t- it's taken like a few years now which it has but you know it's something that i'm able to get to like you know when i'm off tour and uh and yeah it's just like a super fun thing to do these guys that i play with are like you know like family to me actually my brother plays in the band as well so it's it's literally family so yeah it's it's a it's really fun do you think we'll hear a new album this year or do you think we'll be next year oh yeah 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 there'll be a new record this year yeah fuck yeah we'll Um, be done we'll be done before the summer yeah, fuck or like yeah. our summer, so your winter. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now, a yeah. couple other questions was like, you've always been a band, um, and yourself, obviously, you've always been hard. You've had a hardworking, old school DIY ethic. Um, do you think that kind of uh, mentality is getting lost nowadays with current bands? Do you think it's kind of a dying art, working hard and putting in the yards? It's hard, it's hard for me to say, like, you know, in one sense, maybe yes, but in the other sense, maybe it's more DIY than it's ever been. Like, I don't understand how these, you know, these rappers are, like, you know, not signing to labels and just, like, just going crazy off, like, a single or something, and then when it's all coming from their whole, their own team, you know what I mean? Like, that's still get a bit of a mystery for me, but, like, maybe that's because I'm 36 years old, not, like, 24, like, right in it, you know, with that, you know? But, like, I think in, in some ways it's more DIY than it's ever been. You know, just because you could just put out your own music any way, any way you want, um, and it's, it can be have access to the whole world. Uh, but there's also, you know, there's also this total like, you know, manager baby bands, and uh, you know they can't they, they can't do shit for themselves. But you know, it's always good to have people helping your your band. But it's also just important just to like, kind of know what you're doing, and hopefully you're guided in the right direction. And uh, if need be, hopefully you can like you know, be switched on and take care of shit for yourself. I don't know. Do you think the music industry is um, at a at a very exciting period or do you think compared to back in the 90s and 2000s, do you think it's kind of struggling a bit at the moment? It's all in the eyes, eye of the, of the beholder, man, you know? Spot on. It's like, I mean, c- coming from me you know, like a mid, in my mid-30s again, you know, I, I can have an opinion about stuff. I like what I like, and I like, uh, I'm always checking out new music for sure. Like, and I love, you know, that's why I love stuff like Spotify. Like, it's always, you know, ch- showing me stuff. And I, I like to put on a lot, a lot of random playlists. And I like to hear, I like, you know, I don't love picking music all the time. I like to have it come to me and like, oh shit, what's this, you know? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, last... I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> now, the last question I've really got is, um, well, there's one segment coming up called Pick Your Poison, but the last question I've got is about your lyrics. And when you started writing lyrics, you've always been someone who um, is honest and personal, whether it's about what you're going through, whether it's like social um, insight that you give. 
how do you did do you find it hard at first writing a song down and then having it out in a public forum for people to take on or do you find it very therapeutic to get that song out because i don't think it would be easy to write lyrics at all yeah no it's definitely therapeutic in a way but it doesn't like feel like that when you're writing it necessarily sometimes like when you listen back to it and you're like okay shit yeah this is what i'm talking about i'm saying this and i can hear myself saying this to myself or i you know that shit that's cool that's that's a really therapeutic thing as well but sometimes it's uh yeah it's definitely I don't like writing lyrics, <laughs> but I it definitely you know it has to it has to be done and just keep on rewriting and rewriting and I don't know you just usually it's it's a, it's a weird it's a weird one you know I don't think that I think that I I, I I don't know I think that I find music it does sorry it finds me like I not I don't know it's uh it's rare that I know exactly what I'm talking about before I put it down. Now, if do that you, makes sense. It does. And are you able to go back and listen to certain albums um, and not mind what you're hearing? Or do some albums, because of what you've written lyrically, you like can't listen to it because it brings up oh, well, bad yeah, memories? Yeah, well, just well, stuff, stuff that you were saying before. Sometimes you put yourself out there so much in this. Like, oh, man, like, am I like exposing too much and I'm being too like honest about like my deep dark, you know, like, <laughs> secrets or whatever, you know, and like, but then I, I've actually done, so I had songs like that before and I've showed other members of my band, like, do you get this? Like, is this like corny? Like, do you know, do you, to, is it too obvious? And they're like, I don't even know what you're, <laughs> what you're trying to say. <laughs> oh, sick. I don't know. Like, if, if that, you know, then I think I'm super obvious, but then to someone else, they don't even get like the, it's going to like maybe represent something totally different. And I've seen that totally. Like we, I had a song um, called didn't even mind, which is a pretty personal song between me and, a, and, a, and, a, and about, you know, me and a friend, but um, someone took it as in, in a, in a, you know, political, social, like uh, political way and did a mural in like Serbia about it. Oh, with, wow. like, with the lyrics and took, took it, a, a, took it a totally different way. Um, so that that's kind of cool and interesting, and that's just, that's the cool thing about music. I don't know. Is it? It's all up to the eye of the holder. Exactly, and you know what? Maybe the seventeen-year-old thinks that music is in the best place in the world. Like this is the most exciting time ever, and he'll they'll always remember that, like now, as the best time in their lives. But maybe you would feel a different way. I'm not saying you do, but you know, yeah, in general. Maybe you're like, oh shit, the '90s was the best time, you know. But like, it's always, it's always, you know, time and place. That's always with music, and that's why everyone's gonna love, you know, the first or second record because that's when they got into a band or so. You know what I mean? Shit like that. Like, oh yeah, I know uh, exactly what you mean. It's always yeah. kind of, yeah. it's always where you at, where you at, and how, what, 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 where that uh, that that connects with you. You know? Oh fuck yeah. Um, okay, so last segment. It's called Pick Your Poison. You get two options, and you say whatever first pops into your head is your favorite of the two. So we start off pizza or burger? Burger. Chicken or beef? Chicken. Beach or snow? Beach. Cinema or couch? Cinema. Um, Slayer or Pantera? Slayer. Uh, Green Day or Blink-182? 
screen to. Um, Turing you try, or... Are you just trying to figure out the algorithm? So you, you, you think that you're going to get all my, my Facebook algorithm? Yeah. And you're um... going like, to totally know how to like advertise to me? <laughs> now you'll be constantly bombarded with, you know, beach are you ads. Are by chance? <laughs> <laughs> um, Turing or recording? Turing. Terminator or Predator? Terminator. Cat or dog? Dog. Hockey or baseball? Hockey. And CD or vinyl? Vinyl. Bang. MP3, baby. Just put it on my phone. That's all I need. I don't want to carry nothing around. <laughs> I just want compressed. That's all I want. <laughs> um, I just want to put it in my pocket and uh, and and not, and it not break, you know. <laughs> well, your phone might break if you take it out of your pocket, though. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, thank you so much, dude. Really, really appreciate it. Um, was massive fanboy moment for me, and thank you for such a chilled chat, man. It was really good to get an insight about the ins and outs of you and the bands. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Uh, hopefully, catch you at your show when you uh, tour Australia soon. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks, brother. I'll come see what's up if you can. So that was my chat with Andrew of Comeback Kid. Thank you again, Andrew, for the opportunity and massive privilege for myself and the Mosh Zone for taking time out for us. It was great to get to have a chat. Great to really delve in and get to know the man himself, all about his passions and all about his music. Of course, don't forget, Comeback Kid are touring Australia this week. They kick things off in Perth on Monday the 14th of May. They then hit Adelaide on Tuesday the 15th of May. They then play Melbourne on the 16th of May. Sydney on the 18th of May. Newcastle on the 19th of May. Brisbane on the 20th. Auckland on the 22nd. And Wellington on the 23rd. You do not want to miss Comeback Kid. They are also touring with Silverstein. Tickets are on sale now. Make sure you grab a ticket. Get along. You will not be disappointed with that lineup or that show. So that is The Mosh Zone Episode 17 done for this week. I hope you had a great time listening. I had an epic fucking time putting it all together. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to the website, which is www.themoshzone.com. Don't forget to like and follow our social medias, which are all at The Mosh Zone. And of course, if you're enjoying the podcast, please help us by spreading the word. It sounds repetitive having to say it week after week, and it sounds very simple, but any help is massively appreciated and doesn't go unnoticed. Your help helps us get out to more listeners and helps us grow the Mosh Zone community. So if you've got the time, tell your friends about the show, share it on your social medias, on your Facebook, on your Instagram, on your Twitter, help us spread the word. Big shows coming up, we've got a chat, one of my favourite chats without a doubt that we've achieved with Ethan of Great American Ghost coming up next week, then we've got... Owen of Digital Beard Photography the week after, and then a lot more coming, a lot more exciting things. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Open the pit.